unfortunately, we've got a system which is very high stakes. And I'm not going to suggest that Ofsted are making it high stakes in that way, but it has become a monster, which uh, in terms of those judgments and the impacts that it has upon communities, schools and people's careers. Welcome to Rethinking Education. Education's critical friend. Greetings once again, my fellow passengers of Spaceship Earth, and welcome to the Rethinking Education podcast, Education's Critical Friend. My name is James Mannion, and I am delighted that you have chosen to join me. There will be a brief introduction this week, you may be relieved to hear. This is the second in what appears to be an ever-expanding series of episodes featuring mainly head teachers and former head teachers talking about Ofsted and their experiences of Ofsted. In fact, the remit of heads and former heads is broadening slightly as I've also been speaking with former inspectors and I'll also soon be speaking with a group of young people who've been doing some fascinating work around inspections and accountability. More on that soon. Today, I'm speaking with David Phillips, the head teacher of Chilwell School in Nottingham. David has been in senior leadership for over 20 years and a head teacher of both academies and maintained schools. He's one of the East Midlands representatives for his professional association and has a particular focus on leadership and governance. He's worked in schools throughout the East Midlands with projects in age range change, school partnership development and quality assurance. I wish I'd talked to him about the age range thing. That sounds interesting. David has worked in schools since before the inception of Ofsted, which was in 1992, I believe, and he's experienced the week-long visits, the short novel reports, the progress in a lesson visits, the data-focused judgments, and has experienced virtually the full range of Ofsted judgments. In short, David has had a long and distinguished career, and he has a richly informed perspective on the current debate about Ofsted, a controversy that is showing no signs of going away anytime soon. So, without further ado, I'll hand over to my recent conversation with David Phillips. I hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to the Rethinking Education podcast. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm I'm all right, thanks. It's a very rainy day today uh, down here in Brighton, but uh, it's the last day of term. Uh, we have two weeks of holidays ahead of us. What's not to like? Absolutely. Uh, we're looking forward to the break. Uh, we are we are a school that will maybe over the next term or the term after be expecting an Ofsted, so uh, we have that to look forward to as well. Right. Yeah. So that's hanging over the holiday. That's interesting right from the get go, isn't it? Because, it, yeah, like the holiday is is like if you're physically not in school, but mentally that's still that's still there. Right. It's present. Yeah. 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 All, all the time. All the time. Especially more so now, now we've come into this academic year when we knew that the offset was going to be facing us. Yeah. Right. Interesting, isn't it? And even that language facing us is sort of like, like we often use the language of like people I was talking to recently were talking about like winning 
or um, there's this sense of conflict or becoming combative. There is often this sense of 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 sort of of battle in some sense. Is that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would would you say that that's fair to say in the way that you think about these things? Um, it is. I mean, I try not to. I, I, I've, I've been through a number of, of Ofsted inspections and sometimes it, it's it's been really positive to be able to go into them feeling like we've got a lot to celebrate here and we want to celebrate what we do as a school. We've got the opportunity to be able to share it with other people. And then at other times, you, you're sometimes uncertain, especially if you're not quite sure what the nature of the team is or actually what their starting points are or, or how they are coming into the school to be able to see that. So it, they've always been... Um, interesting and, and challenging um, but not necessarily challenging in the same positive way that I think they ought to be mm, yeah yeah interesting so so we'll get into the challenges shortly I often I often structure the final part of these conversations I've had many of them now these rethinking education conversations and I often ask people the same three questions what are the positives what are we getting right currently what would you like to boost the signal of what would you like to see more of that sort of stuff the second one is what are the major challenges that we face currently? And, and obviously this is all going to focus around Ofsted. Um, and that could be in terms of the framework. It could be the very idea of inspection. It could be, you know, just like some examples of things that, that, have, that have happened to you or that haven't happened that you felt should have happened, for example. Um, what it's like to be, you know, on the receiving end of Ofsted, both positives and challenges. And then the third part is um, is potential solutions how can we how can we move into a better way of doing this into a less bad way of doing this if you like mm-hmm. um does that sound okay yeah that's fine that's great perfect so so let's start with the positives then what um what do you think is good about Ofsted or about inspection more widely and again this could be at a policy level it could be about the framework or it could be about your experiences you might have had positive experiences with by the way how many inspections have you I think I've must have gone through about eight or nine inspections now. Uh, if I think about, it. I, I've been in two schools which were uh, in uh, in uh, special measures. They were in, in inadequate. So uh, that was the time when we were being visited more frequently. So we had you know drop in inspections through that process as well. Mm. Um, but certainly over the last uh, eight nine years, I've been through three Ofsted inspections. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um. And and sorry, I, I forgot to ask uh, earlier. But would you please just um share share a little bit about yourself and the role that you're, you that you currently do and the roles that you've done uh up until this point? Yeah, I'm currently head teacher uh, in a eleven to eighteen a secondary school. Um. Prior to that, I'd been a principal of a single academy trust. And prior to that, for ten years worked as a vice principal in a large school of about fifteen hundred, uh, an upper school. Um. Uh, and before that, I'd been a deputy head in a school in some challenging circumstances, and I became that deputy as a result of being seconded onto the senior team in the previous school where I'd gone, which had also been in uh, serious weaknesses. Uh, prior to that, I'd, I'd operated probably for about uh, 15 years as a uh, as a classroom teacher. Got you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so a long and distinguished career uh, in in many different roles. So, 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 yeah, the positives then. I think it I think it's essential that we are accountable to our communities, that actually people know that they can trust what's going on within a school. Um, our approach, and I know lots of head teachers' approaches, is to be open and transparent about what they do and they share what's going on within their schools, they're open with people. 
I think, unfortunately, you can't necessarily trust, and, and, and that trust is often a, an issue that I sort of raise with, with colleagues I'm working with. Trust sometimes isn't enough. You need to be able to make sure that you've got structures in place, and it's the structures that you trust rather than the individuals, because individuals change. Mm. So schools can change. Uh, the leadership of it can change. And so therefore, instead of rebuilding that trust again, I think you need an organized structure so that there is an element of confidence about what's going on. However, at the same time, I think you need to put the idea of offset inspections clearly into context. Um, I've, I have the view that they should really be seen in the same way that MOTs are seen for cars, that there is a check that actually what is working? What is is this is this school functioning well? If it's not functioning well, what are the areas that actually need to be addressed? And much like with a car, that you then go, oh, well, I'm not going to scrap the whole car. I'm not going to stop driving anymore. I'm not going to actually start speaking badly about it. But I'm actually going to fix the bits that are wrong. I'm going to take it to people who actually know what needs to be done to be able to help me sort it out, and we can then turn that journey around fairly quickly. So I've been very very clear that actually always in the past that I think that approach is better it, it is unfortunately we've got a system which is very high stakes and i'm not going to suggest that ofsted are making it high stakes in that way but it has become a monster which uh in terms of those judgments and the impacts that it has upon community schools and people's careers yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it and also that, that idea that that the mot's i like that that metaphor because um, it would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, to like to take your car for an MOT and then they fail it, and then they, you have to you have to just like drive this car around for the next three years with the word inadequate written across the top of the windscreen, you know, to advertise mm -hmm. it to everybody. Nobody would want to go near that car, no, <laughs> would they? But no. it's like obviously that's not how it works. You you go and get your wheels fixed or whatever it is, your brake fluid, and you you get it rechecked and you're back on the road within the day or within the week. It seems ridiculous that 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 we don't have a system that's analogous to that. Yeah, yeah. And I think so long as there's that transparency, and I think so long as there is some sort of uh, clarity for the community that the school serves as to what are those areas that need to be fixed, and that the school is quite clear in terms of what it's doing in terms of being able to make sure that we are back on track, that we are providing the education that every young child deserves, then I think that's a system that that, that is is appropriate for what, what we do with an education. Mm. We have ended up more of a situation that people bark for the blood of football managers, and that seems to be what's happening also in, in education, that actually the fix is seen, change the personnel, change things around, you know, buy in new players, and you know, and that will that will be the solution. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 trying to trying to stay on positives for a while. Um, I, I like the idea. So, you're you're basically saying that inspections are a good idea that we should be held accountable. That the idea is a is generally a good one. I wonder if you could point to is is there anything that you particularly think is good about either the current or previous inspection framework? Something that you think actually, do you know what? That's that's pretty that's pretty reasonable, and I, and I'm happy to go along with that. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've been long enough now in 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 my career to remember the days of week long inspections, mm. when there was a large team of inspectors who would come in, and there would be a really lengthy report that would be written, and you would actually feel as a teacher, and this is before I became involved in senior leadership, 
that you would actually feel that the inspection team had been able to spend enough quality time within an institution to be able to really start digging under and and writing things that actually would would help the future of the school and, and help the future of individual departments and individual teachers. Mm. That I think was was some positive experiences. They were they were stressful, but they were positive in the sense that actually you felt that people were there to be able to really find out as much as possible about the school. That clearly has, has some threats when actually you've got limited time under under current regime to be able to manage to fully get your ideas around the whole school. Um, and I think I have met many inspectors who have been thoughtful and helpful and really wanted to be able to make sure that they were giving advice and guidance that, that was succeeding. So I think individuals that have worked within the system have been themselves professional and really positive in terms of helping a school continue on its journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that I would echo that, you know, I can remember all of the stress. It's very stressful, isn't it, being inspected and like the, the call, like getting the news of the call. And there's often the air turns blue at that moment. Like people are, you know, like a little bit pushed out of their comfort zone. They're thinking, oh, my goodness, like what day are they coming in? What classes have I got on that day? Are there any particularly difficult classes that I've got that day? During the inspection, I remember that whenever the door handle would go on my room, I would get this this shock of adrenaline just like would flood through my system. And it's just like a kid coming back from the toilet usually. Um, or, or actually, it turns out to be an Ofsted inspector. And that's also quite a surreal experience mm -hmm. where you sort of because you've, you've spent so long sort of thinking about it, worrying about it, like you were talking about, it doesn't leave you. Then you actually get one in your classroom and it's like, oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They, you start to try to sort of picture what it's looking like from their eyes or you, you go over and welcome them to the room and sometimes they're quite friendly and sometimes they just basically, you know, air you and go and sit down somewhere coldly and mm. you think, oh, that's not good. And it's just, it's so, it's so heightened. The whole thing is just incredibly heightened and whatever it is that they're seeing is not normal <laughs> because of yeah, the yeah. the Hawthorne effect you know like that you that the observer affects what is observed that so clearly has been the case in the in the lessons that I've been inspected um and yet despite all of that I've often felt that you know that, that I have had very reasonable conversations with Ofsted inspectors we were both just speaking before we started recording about how we've both in the past been able to persuade an Ofsted inspector that they got the got it wrong and that we, that we said mm -hmm. actually that was a good or an outstanding lesson and they 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 changed their grade which is an amazing thing for them to do to acknowledge that they had made a mistake and to do so you know openly um is you know th th there are many sort of positive aspects of it and and like you say because people like I don't think I've never met a teacher who, who said we should not be held to account you know I don't think that anybody thinks that it shouldn't happen at all and sometimes you do you do leave it even though it's been this very heightened sort of charged experience that's sort of unpleasant in many ways afterwards you sometimes sort of just feel that actually it was kind of a positive experience in some sense that you feel like it, if when it's been done fairly you know you feel like actually yeah I think that they they captured a reasonable representation of what's happening I feel okay with that mm-hmm yeah, and I think another positive is actually the amount of experiences that I've been fortunate to go through where you actually you feel as a school that the students really want to be able to do their best by you. 
that actually they've recognized that actually in, in the most successful inspections that I've, that I've been involved in that the students want the outcome to be good yeah. they want it to be good not only for you as a teacher but for you for them as, as students and, and for the school itself and, that, and that's that's a really that's a real positive that sometimes comes out of the experience absolutely although as you say that a, me a memory comes to mind of a child who once uh, poured a Mooney out the window of an Ofsted inspector. So they're not always on board. <laughs> no, indeed. And actually, I've got a, an example when I, when uh, working in a, in the school, which was in, in serious weaknesses, that uh, a child had tripped up an Ofsted inspector as they were walking along the corridor. Oh, that's not going to land well, is that it? That didn't go down very well at all. No. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, 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 and that's another thing, right? Cause so yeah, the kids, it, it make it, the, the offset coming makes it so that the kids are either with you or, or against you in some way. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've, I've had that with some characters trying to not, I think it was not within an offset inspector, but with some sort of a school improvement partner, a normally perfectly um, polite and compliant student just decided to just be awkward and it, and she knew what she was doing and she was sitting on the same table that this guy was sitting at and it was really weird but it was you know she just clearly decided that she was just gonna you know have fun with this um and um yeah so that's interesting it, it can mm. sort of it can create either alliances or div division lines between teachers and and their students yes yeah Interesting. Um, okay, is there anything else in the positives column before we move into challenges? Um, no, I, th I think it is. It, it, all, it is all down to that accountability aspect, which which I've always think is 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 vital for schools that they should be. You know, we should be open in terms of what we're doing at, at all times with with all our stakeholders that are involved. Mm, yeah, completely. Okay, so let's move into challenges then. And again, this could be at the level of inspection as an abstract concept with the current framework or with you know you could talk about some some particular experiences that you've ex you know that you've um you know lived through and and another way of asking that might be to, to just ask like why did you respond to my to my request for people to to talk about was there, was there something in particular that you sort of felt that you would like to to share yes i, I think I think when any when any organisation is under scrutiny, I think it's really important that actually everything is is looked at in terms of what's going well. And actually, as we've talked about what's going well, but actually, what what needs to be addressed. Um, and I think there needs to be a recognition of the pressure that is put on. And and I have, I have known colleagues that I've that I've worked with in the past who have then become leaders of schools who are now no longer leaders of schools. Um, where I've gone through an experience of seeing a colleague achieve a position as head of school underneath the CEO of the academy, um, go through an Ofsted inspection after their first term in position, and then be moved on and then actually lose their position. The CEO remained in place, uh, the head of school lost their job. Um, and I think that kind of what what we see happening to people's careers and actually whether in fact you know the the right to people are being held accountable i think is is of concern mm. so we're seeing the impact upon individuals and actually there's sometimes the kind of like the lack of understanding i think of the pressure um one one of the the situations i was in when we had an offset inspection was not of the school but of the nursery that we ran as part of the school 
um, they they were inspected. What well, we were inspected as as part of uh, the the offset inspection framework. Inspection took place just before uh, the end of term. I was sent the report to read and was told I had to send it back in 24 hours. And I received that report on Christmas Eve. Um, I Eve. had enough time just before we got to the end of play on Christmas Eve. I was I rang them from home and said, "Really, you? I've got 24 hours." And they they eventually gave me 48 hours on top of that to be able to turn it round. But I think that kind of approach doesn't really, you know, lend itself to an understanding of the kind of pressures that people are working through when they're operating in in, in an environment under under that inspection framework. That's unfortunate. Um, and and you know, th there are other cases where where I think we're seeing that Ofsted needs to be uh, more open and transparent in terms of what they're doing. I, I think one of the problems that we've got is the um, the blunt tool of the the grading system and i think we talked before about where you've got a large team that are able to go into schools and really dig into and, and give you quality responses i think a narrative is much more helpful to be able to identify uh you know even with a, an, an mot which has a blunt tool of this car has passed or it has failed its mot mm -hmm. but doesn't have that idea of sort of like completely writing off which I think that you know the, the grade of, of, of being inadequate really uh, does for many schools and for many school leaders um, because it's not necessarily the whole school that is identified. It's just the school leader. Uh, it has a, a, you know an ongoing effect for years. I think within within school and community environments. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, like the person I was speaking to yesterday was saying that if you get that that unhappy grade that they come back within 30 months but often it actually takes longer it's like 38 months or something on average mm -hmm. which is a really long time that's two and a half years you know and yes. it's just like it's yeah. and it's just such a you know schools change really quickly don't they they're very dynamic places from one mm -hmm. cohort to the next there could be a high staff turnover one year and you know maybe 20 30 percent of the staff are replaced and that can completely change the dynamic um and the idea that you could that you could even attribute a label to something that that is so ever in in such an ever changing state of flux, this idea that the fixed label, you know, like sometimes people say, oh well, it's important that we do this because we're giving parents information, but we're giving them really bad information. Like that's not a reliable marker mm. of what that school is like. And so, you know, should we be giving them bad information just because you know it is information and they like information? you know that's that's something that we should look at um yeah and I, and, I, and i think we've got to recognize and i think that there is pressure upon the individuals who operate as ofsted inspectors you know fair enough they make the choice that they are going to take on that role but they are under incredible pressure to be able to try to turn around an inspection and to reach an, a judgment in a very short space of time mm. um and i think that that has the potential therefore to lead to some bad practice um, the bad practice of either people going in with a preconceived idea about what's going to be happening, and I don't think that's new. Uh, I've, you know, I've got experience from years ago of of an offset inspection when I was a, a, in position as a vice principal, of being part of what we thought was a transparent discussion with the offset team, uh, you know, in terms of them making their judgment, and then them suggesting that actually there should be a a break for fifteen minutes to get a cup of tea. And, and then in returning to that meeting, it was quite clear that it just hadn't been a break for a cup of tea, but actually a decision had been made 
and it wasn't as open and transparent a discussion as perhaps we had thought. Um, and, and, and and I think it's it's that openness, and I think that we need to be able to make sure we've got in place. But it's also, I think, recognizing what Ofsted inspectors really are in a position to be able to achieve in a short visit. There's so much significance that's being put on safeguarding now. And, and, and there are many people now in education who are saying that that inspection of safeguarding practice should be removed from the inspection framework and that actually quality of teaching and quality of provision should actually be inspected separately from an, an inspection of safeguarding. And a safeguarding could happen on a snap, uh, snap basis. You could drop into any school around the country to be able to just check whether safeguarding is, is appropriate and, and mm. in place. Yeah. Um, and then that would mean that uh, an, an inspection framework could look, look more in more detail, perhaps, at the quality of provision and the quality of learning that is going on within that institution. Yeah, yeah, completely. And and also the, the, the way in which they define safeguarding is quite problematic. You know, the, there, there are some there are quite a few cases, you know, we've heard examples recently of you know, a child who was flossing and that was deemed to be sexualized behavior. Somebody else talked about a child who accidentally sat on another child's um, hand as they were sitting down and that was treated as an incident that should have been written up and reported as a CP thing. Um, I was once in a lesson, sorry, not, not in a lesson, it wasn't my lesson. I was working in a, in a science department where it was a really hot day and they'd had the Bunsen burners on and the teacher had opened the fire door to let some air in. And the lesson was given inadequate because of safeguarding, because the fire door was was open, you know. And so the, there is all kinds of sort of strange ways in which safeguarding um, is being defined and in the, the basis on which these judgments are being formed is not, as you say, it's often not particularly transparent and it doesn't seem particularly commonsensical, you know. No, and and speaking to to colleagues, there is in in other schools there. I think there is a lot of concern about the nature of um, how hairs are set running in in terms of uh, the inspection regime of um, conversations with students, which then may well not be fully representative of what the student experience is at that school. Um, quite clearly, if there are concerns, they need to be addressed. But actually, sometimes it, it is quite clear that some of those conversations have been overinflated um, and, and have led to schools being in finding themselves in difficult situations because of the views of a uh, of an individual child or a small group of children. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else that, that sort of that springs to mind as you look back over your career and you've been all of these inspections that you've been through any sort of. Uh, incidents or without necessarily wanting to identify individuals but is there anything that you sort of that, that you would point to and to suggest that you know that that you know the, the, here are some examples that of of how inspection perhaps should not be done yeah uh, well I think you we'd already talked about the idea that uh, an inspector changing their judgment and of course none of us are grading lessons now but at the time it was a a time when lessons were apparently to be graded mm. and at the time Ofsted also was saying that they were objective about what they did and I think the fact that you speak you know when you speak to an Ofsted inspector who then changes their mind suddenly makes you kind of think well actually perhaps they're not as objective as perhaps they perhaps ought to be. Mm. Um, I went through another experience of working 
with a subject team to be able to make sure that their curriculum challenge was increased and the head of faculty was more than happy to be able to work with that we, we went on an exciting journey together to be able to raise the level of expectation about what we wanted for our key stage three students um, as a result of that uh their kind of the measurements that we were we were doing of those students inevitably dropped and and when we then had an Ofsted inspection I did have to spend quite a lot of time trying to persuade the Ofsted inspector that the key stage three results or not the results but the key stage three assessments that we were doing for uh, our students did not demonstrate that this one faculty was was performing at a lower level but in fact was wholly as a result of really productive and useful conversations about increasing the challenge within that subject area mm. and it was very difficult i found it very difficult for them to actually get their heads around that it was almost as fact that data told you the answers whereas i think lots of us in education has always said no it doesn't it just poses the question and so there's there's a sense that it's, that's a really interesting example isn't it because it feels like they've seen the data and i imagine that they were then wondering like is this person just trying to pull the wool over my eyes with this like raising the challenge story are they trying to paper over the cracks here and it's almost like they're just that's essentially what it feels like Ofsted is is doing. It's like it's coming to to catch you out at being naughty, at being wrong, at falling short of, of some sort of standard. Um, that seems to be what underpinned that that conversation. Is it, would that be a fair way to characterize it? Do you think? Were they, were they thinking, is this is this guy just trying to trying to pull a fast one? No, I, that 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 wasn't actually what I thought their response was i just okay. thought unfortunately their response just seemed to be that this is this is the data and so therefore that this must be the outcome and they were actually quite intrigued by the response because it wasn't you know and i was able to articulate it quite clearly this this right, was okay. a result of months of work that we've been doing on the curriculum um and and you know this was this was the head teacher and lead inspector conversation that's where she started with. So actually, I was going to come on to that narrative about how we were, were developing the curriculum, how we were developing assessment within the school. Um, but actually, that was the starting point that, uh, that I then had to sort of unpick before we then proceeded much further. Mm, right. I see. OK, thank you for that. Um, yeah. OK. And uh, just quickly to, to pick back up on the Christmas thing. That's really difficult to to get my head around. They They sent you an email on Christmas Eve. So they were working and Christmas Eve is sometimes a working day, isn't it? But Christmas Day yes. and Boxing Day aren't, they're bank holidays. No. And so they wrote to you on Christmas Eve and they were like, you need to get back. It's, it's almost like something that happens in just like a not very well written film. You know, it's just like such a scroogey thing to do to, to send somebody a thing on Christmas Eve to say this needs to be back. So basically you need to work on Christmas day on a bank holiday on Christmas day. You need to get this back to me. And even when you said, hang on, that's ridiculous. It's Christmas. They said, oh, well, you can have 48 hours then, which is still basically like the first thing on the 27th, the first thing after you've had these two days when people are still often visiting friends and family and what have you. Yeah, It's sort of astonishing that that, that, that could even happen. It, it's it's odd, but the, the reason being that actually I think the 
the, the framework allowed for a quicker turnaround or a quicker expected turnaround for nursery reports than it did for school reports. However, unfortunately, that wasn't made clear to me at the time. So I was basically saying, I need a little bit more time to be able to turn this around. I think you're absolutely right. I think it is, is ridiculous to ask for somebody to turn around a report over the period of the, of the Christmas break. Mm. What, what strangely happened almost 12 months to the day is that uh, we then had an inspection of the school uh, 12 months later because the school and the nursery were at, were at the time being inspected separately. I then took my laptop away with me when we went away <laughs> over Christmas to see family, waiting for the, the reports to appear, waiting for that same period of the 24 hours or possibly 48 hours to be able to send it back. Um, and then did get some communication from Ofsted to say, no, 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 it's, it's different for schools. But I had spent that Christmas period sort of like going, well, hold on a minute, I could be expecting this at any moment and I've got to get it turned around. Mm, right, yeah, yeah, I see. Um, so so you were talking about, so so there's, 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 there were issues around communication and you could argue, you know, that was a, a, a one-off thing. You're talking about the grading system and lots of people are talking about that and just the sense that, that, um, that the... The, the process is not as objective as people sometimes like to pretend like it is as though this is as though these inspectors are sort of like a dispassionate pair of eyes that are reliably calibrated with the eyes of all the other Ofsted inspectors and that this is somehow mm. a standardized approach a fair approach to to measuring all schools on the same playing field that's sort of the the assumption that underpins it and it's and that, that overlooks all of the complexity in the fact that that those Ofsted inspectors are human beings who are flawed, who are biased, who have very particular life experiences. Um, whether they, you know, are a secondary school teacher who's then inspecting a primary or a nursery, or the other way around, or they're inspecting something that's out of their subject area, for example, and the, the, lots and lots of or maybe they're just. Have you ever seen? There's, there's some really interesting research that was done about judges judges were were um, much more likely to acquit somebody of a crime if it was an hour and a half after breakfast there's like there's like this window of 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 time when they were more likely to be agreeable more likely to be biddable to be persuadable mm. and if it was out of that their blood sugar was was below a certain level and they were just not making any favorable decisions towards the defendants. And it's a really interesting study. And, and you know, that's not just judges that that happens to. Like people are fallible as anything. Like we're really bad at making reliable, consistent judgments across time. And so there's this sense that we've just got this very, very subjective um process that is sort of trying to pretend like it's wearing an objective clothes, um, objective mm -hmm. outfit, what have you. Um and that's just not the lived experience of school leaders who think actually this is just like based on you know whether the, the vibe in the room is it like you know the person is there a personality clash um is it down to the ego of the of the inspector or the ego of the head teacher is it to, to the extent to which you acquiesce to their to their sort of requests or show that you're listening you know there are, there are so many factors involved aren't there yes yeah and, and i think the uncertainty sometimes about who that team may well be, who the lead inspector is, um, whether whether everybody is behaving in the same way, it, I, I think is a legitimate concern that needs to be explored. Actually, how far 
are Ofsted inspectors and lead inspectors making judgments that are not consistent with the practice of their of, of their you know of, of other inspectors in other institutions even on the same day mm. yeah yeah interesting so is there anything else in the challenges uh column before we move into possible solutions how can we make this better i think there's there's there is a challenge and i and i, and I think it's it is useful to be able to get parental feedback and and community feedback in terms of what's going on. Um, it was obviously problematic many years ago, but before the electronic system was used, that there was a paper system, and and it was quite clear, I think, and and uh, there is evidence that uh, head teachers in the past, and I know of a case where a head teacher may have amended some of those parental responses, those handwritten ones. Interesting. Um, and 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 I think it is important that we find a way of being able to to get that voice accurately. Um, there is an interesting situation I think, I think at the moment with a, with a school where parental voices was was obtained for the offset inspection, but now that the results are now not available. Normally they are available to to the public, but uh, that site has now been closed down currently. Um, so there's there's obviously some some problems that are going on in terms of accurately being able to collect data, which is informing the process effectively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and surveys, you know, like with my social research hat on, like everybody's become quite trigger happy with surveys in recent years, haven't they? With survey monkey, 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 mm -hmm. and Google Forms and and what have you. Um, but it's really hard to write survey questions that actually do what you want them to do and like you know if you're interested in political polling like changing a single word in a political poll can completely massively influence the way that people respond to that question um and and also you know who responds like, like if you're sort of a, a a pretty busy parent who's pretty happy with the school doesn't really you know have any con particular concerns even probably aren't going to respond to that 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 thing like if you're if you're a particularly disagreeable person if you've had a particular issue with a particular teacher or if your child has been you know getting into trouble a lot and you're having lots of negative phone calls with the school it's probably more likely that you're going to to respond to that survey and so mm -hmm. you know how 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 fair and reliable is it in terms of sampling like how to what extent are, are they capturing an accurate sample an accurate representation of parental views or is it that people who are who've got an axe to grind to put it bluntly are more likely to to see this as an opportunity to grind that axe and to and to extract their their pound of flesh as it were and uh, yes and, and and i think that that's always going to i think be a, a problem with surveys and feedback um that actually you will hear and it's the same with with any with any lesson is uh, teachers know this very well that actually you're not often congratulated on the, the successful learning that happens, but you're often picking up the uh, the child that hasn't quite understood it, or the parent that rings it, rings you up and says, "My child hasn't got this." Mm. So it's, we're often, you know, focusing upon you know the, the problem issues, and quite rightly in many ways because we want to be better. We want to be able to identify what's not going well, but it's that's why I think it's difficult to try to make sure that you have a successful survey that can really pick out the details of, of how successfully an organization is operating. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so, so 
At the moment, the the chief inspector's job is up for grabs, as you may have noticed. So if you were to be appointed to that to that role, I'm not sure whether you would want that mantle to be bestowed upon you. But if you were to be to be given a, a carte blanche to just do whatever you want uh, to to change the way that that the inspection system currently works, what would you do? What would you like to see more of? What would you like to see less of? I don't think I would ever be chosen to fulfil that role. <laughs> but to, uh, to, to, to take your cue, I think what I would be looking for is to absolutely make sure that there is still that level of accountability and accountability to the communities that we serve and that therefore there shouldn't be any of that lost. However, I think what then needs to be lost from the process is this high stakes and high impact uh, in terms of what happens to a school once that Ofsted team have gone. And actually, the position the school can find itself in and the support networks. And I think a lot of support should be found within the narrative and the direction of what's being written within the Ofsted reports. I think there should also be a framework where there is a collaborative approach between institutions, organisations, whether that's not just Ofsted, but also multi-academy trusts, uh, local authorities, to be able to make sure there is effective support in place so that schools are not felt left isolated, that, that they can feel supported and that they can address some of those issues that have been raised to be able to make sure that they can then move on successfully. It's great okay. for those those schools that are identified that they're doing a good job. They can then continue moving on. But even for those schools, there should be identified areas where actually they can they can still improve further. They can still develop their practice. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And so, what might that look like in practice? Have you thought about like would is this that that Ofsted would have some sort of like a a school improvement partnership network aspect to it, so that there was a there was a um a judge you know a bit like like sometimes in senior leaders like sometimes the head of teaching and learning is simultaneously in charge of essentially being like a mini Ofsted inspector who's going around and and, and you know checking yeah. on checking on people and doing compliance and capability stuff and they're also in charge of appraisal and professional development and sometimes people are like it's really hard to do both of those roles to, to do the accountability role yeah. and the support role at the same yeah, time I I, I think it is, and and I and so I don't think that Ofsted necessarily itself should be a school improvement uh, provider, but I think it should work closely with those organisations that are in that position to be able to do that, because I think you, you know you've hit the nail on the head with with the issue that you've got within school. I don't think it's effective for somebody who is in charge of an initiative to also be the person that evaluates how successful that initiative has been. Um, you know, you can end up with all sorts of uh, all sorts of problems with that. So I think there needs to be an element of an external uh, evaluation of how an institution is 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 working. But I think what I'm also concerned about is the the reduction in capacity across the sector to be able to make sure that schools are effectively supported. What we're yeah. seeing instead is a kind of like a sometimes a bartering. Uh, of of schools or uh, schools being sold off to a different multi-academy trust. And in effect, that is no different from actually just saying, okay, we're just going to change the personnel and actually move that school around. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, it may well lead to improvement, 
but it may well not. And there are cases where schools have been passed around from one trust to another because nobody is making an impact on it. And I think whilst a trust is then able to move on, my focus is upon what about the community? What about the children who are going to that school, the children who are yet to go to that school? Where's the security? Where's the structure that's being built so they can really see that there's a, a proper future in place for them? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I see. And it sounds like you're talking about something that's much more formative rather than summative. Like a, a, an Ofsted inspection is a summative assessment, isn't it? It's like you get a grade at the end of it or a, a series of grades, but it all boils down to one grade. Um, mm. And it isn't that formative piece. It's about like, like how can we help you get better in an ongoing way? And, and collecting data and having targets that you, you can be held accountable for um, would be an important part of that formative process. But it's just much more improvement focused and also strengths focused, you know, just to say like what is going really well here um, and to celebrate that um, rather than this sort of deficit model where whereby each school, you know, even if you're a good school, like that, 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 that it, there's still the, the sort of the clear implication there that you're not outstanding. You know, I, I, it always makes me laugh a little bit when you see one of those banners outside of a school and you see the outstanding banners, but you sort of say, so see somebody that say, this is a good school. And you sort of think like that word is just so sort of underwhelming. <laughs> it's like, this is a good school. Like it's, it's basically it's saying we're not, we're, we're, we're not in the naughty category you know, but it doesn't feel like cause for putting a banner up outside the school. But 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 no, it... I, go on, sorry. I, I think I think that what happened with the decision to not inspect outstanding schools was a, was a, was a grave error um, because schools change and they they can change very quickly. Yeah. And I think the decision that was made years ago to to have outstanding schools not being inspected was one that I think we are now seeing the consequences of. Um, I've, I've been more than happy to just lead schools that have been identified as good. Um, we've not been racing the outstanding banner. Uh, we've never put out banners outside our school. In the last two schools I've been in, uh, we've, we've not done that. And we, we because for the simple reason, as you point out before, you don't that's slap the out, outcome of your MOT certificate across your windscreen. Um, so we are happy that we communicate with parents and we tell them about what we're doing. We get parental feedback about what we're doing, we sometimes get parental criticism about what we're doing, and that's what we'll respond to. But we don't put banners up. We don't yeah. put banners up to be able to say, yes, we're a good school. And if we, even if we were outstanding school, uh, which, of course, there are much fewer of those around about now, but I, I would much prefer that those blunt uh, labels go. Yeah, actually schools are just have a much more um sensitive approach to, to to what we're doing i completely agree i i wonder whether i wonder whether that decision to stop to stop inspecting outstanding schools was done partly because they were overstretched they were like well, there's so many there's 30,000 schools it's not got that big a budget Ofsted, has it it's only about 130 million a year or something like in the grand scheme of things to be inspecting that many schools or maybe it's 22,000 in England I, I might be wrong um that's a lot to do and that, part of the stuff that I've been thinking and talking about recently around this but one of the ideas is that because it's so overstretched that it's that, that that that's a big problem you know if you're not inspecting a school even even if they see a school every four or five years 
that's not making sure that that school is safe. Like, like, like you say, a lot no. can happen within no. four or five years. And so an idea that, that seems to be coalescing, people seem to be coalescing around is this idea that, as you said earlier, that we would that you vastly slim it down you just make it about doing an annual safety check to make sure everyone's okay. And also we need to look at how they define safety and safeguarding because that seems to have gone a bit weird. Um, and then have the other stuff, like you say, around curriculum, leadership and management, you know, defining what learning is and all that stuff that Ofsted has been rolling up its sleeves and getting involved in these deep discussions and taking a very partisan stance on some interesting, you know, contested areas. Um, and and kicking all of that out, like you say, to to school improvement partners and and organisations, and as well to other schools, so that there's this peer review process where you could match up a school with another school, and they inspect each mm -hmm. other with a, with a vertical sliced team of senior leaders, middle leaders, early career teachers, possibly students, parents, governors. You know, getting a really rich picture, as you say. You know, spend a week in each other's schools. You know, and and if if each year, let's say once a term, in one term you have um, a safety check, in one term you go and inspect another school, and in the third term another school comes and inspects you. So there's this continuous process of a making sure everyone's safe, and b this this iterative process of of soft supportive accountability, where you're sort of saying to this other school, oh yeah, this is what we're going to try and do this year. Come and see us next year and check on how we're doing. And they, they want to be able to have a good story to tell around that. And that seems to be, I don't know, that, that's just my current sort of back of the envelope picture of yeah, what this might look and, like. And, and, I, and I get that. Um, and I've, I have been part in the past of, of processes where different schools, organised in different ways, have collaborated with each other in order to provide that kind of peer review, mm. peer support sort of system. I think what's interesting now is a lot of school improvement work is now being... Um, Put in the hands of uh, multi-academy trusts mm -hmm. and actually i think that i think in itself creates a bit of a problem because what you've got then is that focus within an organization of it putting in the implementation of the strategies and also in effect reviewing how successful they're being until an ofsted comes along as opposed to different organizations collaborating with each other so that there isn't that sort of like focus on we are we are one coherent body of a multi-academy trust or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but actually you've got a sort of a, a federation of different schools yeah. from different organizations so that actually you can see it's much more of a transparent process. Yeah, I can see that. And it's and it would also just break down that sort of us and them thing. You know, if, if, if the multi-academy trust is sort of, like you say, it's like doing its own stuff and marking its own homework, it's trying to make it make its schools better than other schools in the local area rather than better with you know and i think that you know there's nothing wrong with a bit of a bit of competition i think that competition can be a healthy thing and can be a driver for innovation and growth but there's a balance to be struck isn't there between collaboration and competition oh yeah um, and it feels like you know that there's maybe a bit too much competition and not quite enough collaboration and sharing across like you say across different types of organizations different types of schools i've done some really interesting work around this, this peer review idea with you know mainstream schools going into special needs schools and vice versa mm. and so much rich learning happens um as a consequence of those visits it's absolutely remarkable yes yeah really really valuable experience for 
for for all the staff who were involved in those as well in terms of the visitors as well as those being visited absolutely yes yeah great stuff okay so um is there anything that you'd like to say in, in, in wrapping up? Is there anything that we haven't covered today that you'd like to to add before we before we close this? No, uh, I think it's, it's been a, it's been a really good discussion. Thank you. Uh, but I, I think there is so much of a, of a spotlight now in terms of whether Ofsted is currently whatever it was designed to be, whether in fact its current mode of operation is a force for good mm. and is a force for development of, of schools or whether in fact there are some things that need to be either removed, changed, altered, or fundamentally changed. And I think we are at a point now where I think Ofsted as an organization needs to seriously self-review as it expects many schools to in the same process to be actually think, is this working? Mm. You know, having gone through so many different Ofsted inspections in my career, it has been quite clear that there is that sense of constant change. And so there isn't, hasn't always been one model of what Ofsted have reviewed or, or the methodology, methodology that it has used. Yeah. So, that, so it is not unreasonable to expect that that organisation could continue that process to actually see, well, what do we do under the, under the next few years uh, and what is right for, for, for schools in that sort of situation now? Yeah, yeah. That's a fascinating note to end on. Thanks for that. This idea that because the because Ofsted itself changes over time, you're like, well, well, which is the good Ofsted? You know, like which is which is the one like like if a school performed brilliantly in the, you know, 1994 framework and now it's now not so much or vice versa, which was the good school? You know, like that's a really interesting question. The lack of consistency across time sort of undermines the whole thing really doesn't it mm -hmm. interesting well thank you for that thank you for for taking the time to share your thoughts and experiences with me um it does feel like we're at a moment here doesn't it like like Ofsted's response has been not great to this to this whole sort of crisis I think it's fair to call it a crisis that's emerged in the last few weeks um and I think it's partly because they haven't really didn't see this coming. I don't think that they have a plan or potentially the right people in place who knows to be able to implement those changes. Um, and so I think that there's a sort of a sense of just trying to hold the line and hope that this goes away. But I don't see this going away. It feels like something's changed in the profession. Would, would, is that something that you would um, that resonates with you, that idea? Oh, oh I, I think so, yes. I, I, I think there is... Uh, a real demand now for the the organisation to to review actually how it how it works and and the impact that it's having on we we already know that there is a recruitment crisis we know that actually many people are not wanting to step up to leadership and actually if Ofsted just need to consider why that might well be and do they have any role within the decisions that people are making in terms of going into education or becoming a leader in education then it's perhaps right that they look at themselves with the same intensity that they look at schools around the country. Indeed, they need to go and have a have a little think about what they've done <laughs> and uh, and how this might be playing out for other people. Absolutely, yeah. So turn there, and they are really good at inspecting people. You know, they're, they're, there's lots of very very effective professional knowledge within that organisation. 
if they turn their gaze inward, <laughs> that that could be an, an interesting little Easter exercise for them. They could do that on Easter Sunday. I want, I want, Indeed. I want it, I want it on my desk on Easter Monday morning. Twenty four hours over Easter <laughs> Sunday. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. It's been really thank enjoyable you. conversation. Okay. Thank you. Time is a measure of change. We don't have much time. Time is a measure of change. We don't have much time. Time is a measure of change.